Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. One movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. And that, my friends, is the voice of the MAGA movement, which is has the momentum now in this race. Actually, we've had the momentum for a very long time. It's the greatest political movement in American history. But uh, we're going to talk about the state of the race even more uh, today. We're going to talk about the uh, mutations of Trump derangement uh, syndrome because it does carry different mutations. It's a real disease and uh, it has real consequences. And it really leads a lot of people into very, very deep darkness and uh, we're going to look at, uh, you know, as this disease mutates, uh, we're going to look at some of the newest uh, strains of it. Actually, just one characteristic of it that I'm going to want to point out. Uh, and then a couple of comments on a couple of recent developments, one out of the Supreme Court and one out of the mouth of the worst, most incompetent vice president of the United States from just the other day. What a buffoon. Uh, we'll talk about that, too. But. Let's start. I want to go to the prophet Habakkuk today because this is one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament. Habakkuk has a complaint against the Lord, which, which really reflects a lot of the, the concern that so many of us have about uh, the destruction of our country and the, the violence, not just physical violence, but moral violence being done to our country, to our children, to our heritage. And then the response of the Lord is perfect. For this election year, this response of the Lord is perfect for this uh, this moment of battle that we find ourselves in. So let's go to the Word of God. We'll pray, and we'll comment on the, some of the things going on. The beginning of the book of the prophet Habakkuk. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on the tablets so that he may run who reads it. For the vision still awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not disappoint. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him 
but the righteous shall live by his faith. Let us pray. Father, we see much violence in our nation and in our world. Not just the shooting of guns or the dropping of bombs. No, Lord, we see an even deeper kind of violence. One which destroys truth. One which has no regard for human rights. One which rips up babies in the womb and calls it a right. No matter how late in pregnancy it's done. One which takes the beautiful heritage of freedom and courage in this nation and casts it in an evil light. We see violence, Lord God, against freedom. We see violence, indeed, against you. Though none can destroy you, none can harm you. There are so many who want to harm our faith in you. This we decry as violence. Lord, we see our nation on the precipice of losing its mooring in, in, in freedom, which of course is rooted in faith in you. Our independence from tyranny is rooted in our dependence on you. Lord God, we see all this threatened. We see a choice before us that we, we can hardly we can hardly bring ourselves to express because it is so monumental, so consequential. The very survival of our nations, way beyond any consideration of personalities, characters, or even parties, it's, a, it's an existential threat to our nation, and therefore the future of our families. But Lord, we once again do as the prophet has commanded. We know the vision. We understand the truth that we are fighting for, the freedom that we are defending. And so the prophet says, write it clearly on the tablets. Lord God, we write it clearly on social media, on broadcasts, on, on, in sermons, in pulpits. We write it clearly in our choices in the voting booth and in the preparation for the elections, whereby we advocate for our positions and for our convictions. Write the vision clearly on the tablet, he says. Lord, we shout it aloud. We do not let allow ourselves to be canceled. We speak it plainly. We teach it to our children. We pass it along to our fellow citizens. Write the vision clearly upon the tablets, for the vision still has its time, presses on to fulfillment, and will not disappoint. Father, in this we rejoice, because we're convinced of this. Your word says that the vision... The vision that our founders laid out on the tablet of the Declaration of Independence, of self-evident truths, of equality of all human beings, of, of rights given by you, our Creator, which government exists to secure. Lord God, they wrote it plainly upon the tablets. We write it plainly upon the tablets of our day. Because the vision does press on to fulfillment. It will not disappoint because your spirit will fill your people and they will arise and they will go into the voting booth and they will defend this vision. And they will protect this nation. Yes, the vision is clear on the tablets, Lord God, and we renew our faith that it will not disappoint. Thank you, Lord, for this, 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 this conviction found in your word. May we proclaim it throughout America today and throughout the world. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
And I say throughout the world because we welcome our international visitors and viewers. Uh, we 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 are are very very encouraged and inspired whenever you visit us here on this program from other countries. And we know that your love for America is compatible, completely compatible with your love for your own country, because you know that a strong America means a strong nation that's going to help the rest of the world in various appropriate ways, measured ways. And we in America put America first. We expect you in your own countries to put your country first. And together we work for a harmonious world and we, uh, and we assist one another. You know, I wanted to point out one other aspect of the verse here. I, I prayed about this verse's, uh, this passage's meaning from Habakkuk. But here is where we find that well-known verse, the just will live by faith. Now, you can, you can discern two meanings there, that the just will live by faith. In other words, the way that just people conduct their lives is shaped by their faith. But the other reading of this verse is, it is precisely hanging on to faith that enables the just to live at all. In other words, that clinging to the truth that you, that you receive by faith, clinging to the convictions that are rooted in faith, and living them out is essential to survival. Another translation of this verse that brings out that particular meaning of it is the following. Unless you stand firm in faith, you will not stand at all. Now, I think that's particularly relevant to what's going on in our nation right now. Our founders understood that without religion and morality, the nation wouldn't survive. Why? Because we are a theocracy? No. Because we impose a state religion? No, just the contrary. We, we want people be, to be able to search out the things of religion, publicly debate them as well as privately, come to the conclusions they come to, and then embrace those conclusions both privately and publicly and live accordingly with full freedom and non-interference by the government. But the fact of the matter is that unless the people are rooted in a dependence upon God and on clear, strong morality, they won't be able to govern themselves. It's the people who lead the nation in what direction it's going to go. And lest that direction be one that's destructive of freedom, of human dignity, of human life, of family, they've got to know the difference between right and wrong. You can't govern yourselves, i.e. you can't know the direction you need to lead the nation if there's no moral compass, you end up destroying yourselves. And that's very much the path that we are on and have been on for a long time. When reference to God and the commandments in the Bible were taken out of school, that's where it started. And brothers and sisters, we've, we've got to get back on track. And various decisions of the Supreme Court lately have gotten us back on track. You saw the program here on Praying for America with Coach Kennedy. If you didn't, go look it up and... Uh, and watch it, the Supreme Court took a very, very strong uh, corrective right turn when it defended his right to pray in public, both on First Amendment freedom of speech grounds and First Amendment freedom of, of, of religious exercise grounds. Of course he can pray in public. It doesn't matter if he was employed by a public school, not forcing the students to take part in something that they don't believe in. He's just expressing his faith. Supreme Court said there's nothing un-American about that. There's nothing unconstitutional about that. 
And the more we get back to that common sense understanding, rooted in our history and traditions, the more we're going to be able to live the meaning of this verse. Notice what I'm saying. The just man will live by his faith. In other words, the just man will survive because he has faith. The nation will survive because we have faith. Faith which then roots us solidly in a respect for human life rather than in a willingness to destroy it and call it a right. The just will live by faith. Faith that tells us that there is a God who demands an accounting from us of our actions. And that's a bulwark, that's a protection against unbridled passion which would go out in the streets and just riot and kill people, have absolute disregard for any kind of human life. How, how, how does that happen? Because you're not rooted anymore in God. That's how it happens. You forget God, you forget what he created. If the creator makes no, no longer makes sense to you, neither will the creation, especially human life, because it's made in his image. If the one in whose image human life was made no longer has any image in your mind and heart, well, then human life is not going to be of any value to you. The just man will live by faith. The just nation will survive because it stays rooted in faith. Key, key meaning of this particular passage. And a key formula for saving America. A key formula for making America great again. A key formula for deciding our votes. By the way, we're going to launch a big campaign called Election Day. And the idea is very simple. You'll be hearing me talk more about this. But friends, please, would you take this and run with it? And I'm going to explain it right now. It's a very simple concept. We know that we have to bank the vote. We know that we have to chase the vote. We know that we have to get as much as we focus on message and the quality of candidates and policies, we've also got to master the mechanics of the election. So there's the message of the election. There's the mechanics of the election. We've got to get ballots properly filled out and counted prior to the deadlines. That's how we, in a mechanical sense, win elections. And that means, part of that means, use early voting. Now, I'm proud to say, my team and I at ProLifeVote.com, that's a project of Priests for Life, have been saying this long before. What we now see is the consensus Within, on, uh, within the MAGA movement, within our, uh, the, the uh, Republican Party, that yes, we have to utilize, even if eventually we want voting all on one day, uh, 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 that's fine. But right now, the reality is that elections are won or lost based on a process that includes early voting. So we've got to use the process while we have it. Listen, I've been an advocate of that from the beginning, but just out of the common sense that the more days you have to vote, the more votes you can get. Can you get more votes in 24 hours or 24 days? Of course, in 24 days, if you use them. So here's my election day project. It's very simple. You find out when early voting begins in your state. I'm talking about the general election. The primary, for all practical purposes, has been decided. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. General election. Focus on the general election. This election day 2024, the presidential election and all the down ticket races that go with it. 
is not simply to be thought of as November 5th. Find out in your state when early voting begins in the general election. Circle that day in red on your calendar and call it election day. I think that the best way we're going to utilize, get people to utilize early voting is to get the word early out of there. It's voting. It's election day. Whatever the first day of early voting is in your state, friends, that's election day. And you know what? The next day is election day, too. So is the day after that. And the point is, this psychological shift, which is assisted by a linguistic shift, enables us to have a behavioral shift. But it's first got to be conceptual. It's got to be linguistic. We've got to think the right way. We've got to talk about it the right way. The first day of early voting in your state, that's election day. Don't think of it as November 5th, unless your state doesn't have early voting, which some don't. But the point is, you, you get the point I'm making. And utilize each one of those days. We're going to be talking a lot about this. Again, ProLifeVote.com is our, that's our election website. That's our election movement. And you're going to hear more about this. And you can sign up for trainings. You can sign up for all kinds of practical things that we have and tools that we utilize. Look, a couple of comments on a couple of other things. The Supreme Court made a mistake the other day. Texas has a right to defend its borders, which happened to coincide in some measure with the border of our nation. This is a ridiculous move of the Biden administration to try to stop Texas from securing the border. I don't know how closely you've been following this story, but let me read from a news report here. The nation's highest court ruled on Monday that federal agents could snip or move razor wire that Texas agents had put in place along the Rio Grande section of the U.S.-Mexico border. The court sided with the federal government and let's go Brandon that Texas had overstepped its authority in national border enforcement. Nonsense. Nonsense. It's the federal government that's overstepping its authority. This is a, this is a sham. And um, the federal court of the Fifth Circuit got it right. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, had reversed a lower court's decision that had ruled in favor of Biden. Listen, can we please stop the nonsense? If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And our country happens to consist of 50 states, and the states are quite empowered and quite right in, listen, they're enforcing the law. There are existing laws here. And one of the reasons Biden should be both impeached and removed from office Independent of the question of, oh, well, who's going to come after him? Going to be just as bad or worse? Yeah, granted. But the, but the fact of the matter is, it's an impeachable offense. You don't have to be talking about a jury standard of beyond any reasonable doubt. We're talking about a constitutional process of, of impeachment. High crimes and misdemeanors, not in a criminal courtroom sense, but in the sense of the president failing in the trust that has been given to him by the American people, one of the elements of that trust is he's going to enforce our laws. And when it comes to the laws protecting our borders, he refuses to enforce them. So out with him. That's the simple concept, it seems to me, and it seems to many others as well. This is, this is so much nonsense we have to deal with. Another piece of nonsense we have to deal with. Kamala Harris gives a talk the other day in Wisconsin about abortion. And once again, oh, oh, they, oh, they want to have this freedom tour now. It's a free, oh, reproductive freedom tour. You know, the Democrats, they've got nothing. They can't run on the border. 
They can't run on immigration. They can't run. Oh, look how great, how big inflation is. Wow, why aren't we a great administration? Aren't we a great party? They can't win on that. They think they can win on abortion. I've got news for them. They're mistaken on that too. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm glad that Mark Levin the other day made a point that I've been making for years and years and years. In fact, he said it in almost exactly the same way that I always say it, which is that we're not having an honest debate about abortion in this country because we're, we're, it's a fake debate. We're talking past each other. I said this uh, on this program just recently as well. We're talking past each other because we've got one thing in our minds when we say the word abortion, the killing of a child. They've got another thing in mind, which Kamala says, uh, put, said in her, in her speech, Namely, oh, well, yeah, this is all about women's reproductive freedom and her right to do what she wants with her body. What are you talking about? You're going to bring abortion front and center. Why don't you talk about abortion? If you take a medical textbook that describes how abortions are done, you're not going to see these words about, oh, women have uh, a right to do what they want with their body. You're going to be seeing a lot of words there about the body of the person who's torn apart during the abortion. The arms, the legs, the skull brought out in fragments. Is that a woman doing what she wants with her body when a skull is brought out in fragments? Well, it's not her skull, is it? Not once in this. I've told you over and over again. You take all the speeches that all these pro-abortion Democrats give about abortion, or pro-abortion anybody, whatever their political affiliation, but the fact is that the pro-abortion is crystallized within the Democrat Party which hates America, which hates the unborn. And you do a word search for all those speeches. You'll never see the word blood, arms, legs, flesh, skull, dismember, decapitate, but you will find those words in the medical textbooks about abortion. So to Vice President Harris, to Biden, and to all these fools, stop treating us like idiots by pretending to talk about abortion and stop being the cowards that you are by bringing forward the topic of abortion and then being afraid to describe what it really is. Maybe if we all started describing it, maybe if we take a look at it, look at abortion.org, we could have an honest debate. Look at abortion.org. Look there and then tell me what you think about whether this should be allowed, much less the lead point of a political campaign. All right, finally, here we go. Trump derangement syndrome, a real disease, is morphing. And what it's morphing into is, you see, they see President Trump as the greatest threat to democracy. Now, they see Trump derangement syndrome actually turns everything inside out and upside down. I mean, you're really, really crippled mentally and you're crippled in your heart, and you're crippled spiritually. You're crippled politically, you're crippled intellectually when you have Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, it's really bad. And when you are so crippled, I mean, first of all, you look like a fool, you sound like a fool, and you have become a fool. If you don't see the greatest political leader we've ever had. If you can't see that, I mean, the blindness is deeper than if, God forbid, you were actually physically blind. And brothers and sisters, it's, it's deeper, okay? It's worse. It's worse. And it morphs. 
Because it's something that's as deadly and destructive, something as deadly and destructive as Trump derangement syndrome, God save us all from it, doesn't, never stays still. Because destructive evil is always looking for more things to destroy. So it's going to morph. And, 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 and what it's morphing into is this. See, they, they see President Trump as a threat to democracy. Now, again, everything's upside down, inside out. He's the greatest defender of this republic. He's the greatest defender of this constitution. He's not a threat to it. He defends the constitution. He doesn't distort it. He defends power to the people. He doesn't take it away from them. It's all exactly the opposite of reality. But for those with the Trump derangement syndrome, and again, God save us from the people who have sunk so deep in this that, you know, history is going wait until history is going to laugh at these people. They're going to laugh in the history, in the classrooms of the, of the hundred years from now. They're going to be laughing out loud, out loud. And they're going to be scratching their heads and they're going to want to do, they're going to be in history class, but they want to going to, they're going to want to go into psychology to figure out how the mental, the human mind could have been so distorted beyond recognition that people could have fallen into it. That, 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 that's what's going to happen. So, so here, here, here's the point. Okay, so they see him as this threat. So therefore, you can't just rest with that idea. Oh, but he's a terrible threat to the democracy. You got to do something. If you really believe that, then you're going to try to craft laws to limit the power of the president. Now, Blumenthal had been doing this, uh, the Democrat deranged. Those are synonyms, by the way, when it comes to these people in power. Not our friends on the grassroots. So many, they don't realize how far the party has gone from them. If they realize that they would reject the party right away. And many do that because they're still sane. But deluded Democrat Blumenthal um, introduced legislation actually several years ago. But this is coming up again. I have two articles here uh, that uh, 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 were relatively recent. Talking about the need to limit the power of the president because there, see what this does, this is springing from their fear, which in turn springs from the Trump derangement syndrome, that President Trump is somehow going to act like a dictator and he's going to use military power against American citizens. Now, has President Trump talked about using military power to restore law and order? Well, yeah. Whose fault is that? If, if people see that as a negative, it's the Democrats' fault because they don't know how to run a city. You're not safe in the blue cities. I moved out of New York City back in 2017. I moved down here to Florida. Thank the Lord for one of the best decisions I ever made. And I agree with those commentators who are saying now more and more, if you are in these blue cities, if it is at all within the realm of possibility, leave. Get out. You're not safe there anymore. I mean, it's one thing to have the mentality, hey, I'm going to stay and fight, you know, any, any state can change. Yeah, it's, that's technically true. And I admire the, the, the spirit. But you've got your own health and safety to worry about. 
and that of your family. And I'm not just talking about physical safety, but spiritual and intellectual, educational, all kinds of safety. Get out! Economic safety, if you run a business, if you run a ministry, <laughs> you're going to be snuffed out by these America-hating Democrats. All right, let me get more quickly to the point here. Um, there is a law called the Insurrection Act. Whenever there is an insurrection in any state against its government, the president may, upon the request of its legislature or its governor, call in the armed forces. Um, so this is an exception to something that is called posse comitatus. Which, which is, it's, it, it, which is a, a, a policy that prohibits using the military for domestic law enforcement. You don't use the military, right? Posse comitatus. But the exception is there is insurrection or the president can even act more unilaterally. This talks about the, the uh, you remember President Trump during the 2020 campaign saying, hey, the governors, you know, they, 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 they can call on me. I'll be happy to help them. A deal with the riots in their cities. I'll come and help and restore law and order. And then, more recently, he's been saying, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna act on my own." This is not because he's a dictator. This is not because he's unhinged from the Constitution. This is because, unlike the Democrats, he's not unhinged from the reality of what's going on on the ground. Namely, that the Democrats don't know how to govern. They, in fact, want to destroy these cities, and and nobody's safe. With these Democrats in power, nobody's safe. And that's why the president is, President Trump is not afraid to use legitimate constitutional legal authority. There is nobody is going to be more unwilling to break the law than Donald J. Trump. But the point is, there's also nobody who's going to be more willing to use the law to protect you and me to protect our families, our neighborhoods, and our children, and our cities, and our nation. The president can act when there are unlawful activities which make it impracticable to enforce the laws of the United States because he has the ultimate authority and ultimate responsibility in our country to protect the United States. It's the role of the president. Again, that's why Biden should be impeached because he's doing just the opposite of protecting the United States. And that's why Trump should be elected, because he's willing to defend the United States. But when is it impracticable, I'm talking here again about this provision of the Insurrection Act that allows the president to act unilaterally, even if the governors don't want him. What if it's a Democrat governor who doesn't know or has is unwilling to protect his cities? That makes it pretty impracticable. What if it's a defund the police wacko from the left? who's in charge of the city. The president can't ignore that. This is part of the United States. It's part of the wacko's state. Yeah, unfortunately. Shame on the voters who couldn't see that. But but, but the, the, you see how the other side turns everything upside down. They're saying, oh, this is a threat. This is a threat. This is exactly the opposite. He's responding to a threat. Uh, you know... Trump derangement syndrome 
it's so bad that you can't tell your your <laughs> you can't tell your left from your right anymore. They literally can't tell the difference between a peaceful protest and a violent riot. They can't tell the difference between an immigrant whom we welcome coming legally into our country and an invader. And sadly, going back to another point I made and to the work I do full-time, they can't tell the difference between reproductive freedom and an act of violence that dismembers a living baby. You look at all this and you say what we always say on this program. We've got to bring this to prayer. Prayer and action, because prayer, rightly understood and rightly exercised, leads to action, doesn't constitute an excuse for inaction. But we've got to pray. Let's do that now. Father, we come before you just deeply disturbed. I, I, I force of the military against us, Lord God. Thank you for a man who's willing to use the power he has as our chief executive to protect us. Lord God, why can't some of our fellow citizens see this fundamental basic distinction? Well, Lord, we know that it's because they're infected and they're sick. God, they've become sick. Lord, we ask your healing on our sick brothers and sisters. We ask your healing right now on the sick. Lord, we know that there are many sicknesses. We pray for those that have cancer and heart disease, or undergoing surgery for various reasons, those who, Lord God, have various debilitating conditions. Lord, we pray for all the sick. We know all know people who are sick, some of them very close to us. But Lord God, we pray a particular prayer right now for those who have been made sick by a derangement syndrome that is very real and that has deprived them of the ability to see what is right in front of their eyes. Lord God, we've got an election now that is literally a choice between prosperity and poverty. Literally a choice between freedom and tyranny. Literally a choice between peace and violence. Literally a choice between law and order and chaos. Literally a choice between America and a globalist, imperialist, Marxist agenda. Lord God, we have a choice. Lord, we pray as we were discussing before that, that our fellow citizens may may use election season the way it's supposed to be used. May, may from the very first day of voting exercise the awareness and the intensity and the activity that will bring in the ballots. Lord, it's not just about messaging, it's about mechanics. Lord, we ask you to bless the mechanics of this election, protect the mechanics of this election from fraud and deception, but Lord God, protect them in a deeper sense. Protect the mechanics of this election 
by inspiring your people to use those mechanics. Best way to defend them is to use them. The best way to defend them is to use them. Fill us with your spirit that we may be as active as we've ever been before and more active than the other side. Lord, let the people who love this country be more active than those who are trying to destroy it. Let the people who love freedom be more active than the tyrants. Let the people who love life be more active than those who destroy it under the guise of choice. Let those of us who love America be more active than those who hate it. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, descend upon President Trump and his team and all his supporters. And Lord God, write on our hearts again the words of the prophet Habakkuk. We have a vision of life and of freedom. That vision presses on to fulfillment. If it seems to delay, wait for it. It will surely come. Let it come, Lord, not only through our prayers, but through our actions in this election. We pray in the name of the author of life and the conqueror of death, our Savior and the Lord of every nation, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us now pray in the words he himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You are great. Thank you for all your comments. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for your interest. Thanks for your commitment to this program and to my ministry, Priests for Life, which you can find at endabortion.us and our political programming, our political activities at prolifevote.com. Please stay connected with us, prolifevote.com and connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone on all the major platforms. That is FR Frank Pavone. We will see you there. We will see you on this program. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you for your commitment to America. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that. And today, I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years.
This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.